Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bicknell. With me, as always, is my co-host, Robert Zirk. On today's show, Senator Murray Sinclair spoke at Lighting the Way Forward, the Calls to Action in Action, a vital conversation that was hosted by the Winnipeg Foundation at the University of Winnipeg. So on today's show, we're going to be bringing you full coverage of the event, including some of the excerpts from Senator Sinclair's keynote, as well as the Q&A. We'll also have an interview with co-host Ashley Richard and some of the reactions and responses of many audience members that were in attendance. And following our coverage of Lighting the Way Forward, our very own Sonny Primolo spoke with another Winnipeg impact maker, Lauren McLean, owner of Heart and Haven, an interior design consulting firm here in Winnipeg. We'll hear about her support for Snowflake Place and the importance of community support for organizations just like them. We've got all this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Hello and welcome to River City 360, Nolan and Robert coming to you from the corner of Portage in Maine, right here on 93.7 CJNU. Robert, how are you doing this week? I'm doing well this week, Nolan. How are you doing? It's been busy. You know, we've had a a great event on Monday night uh, featuring Senator Murray Sinclair. Um, We'll obviously have a lot of coverage from the the evening. We'll have some of our thoughts after as well, because uh, I'm curious to see how you felt about the event, because it was really interesting, very thought-provoking, really inspirational too. Um, I'm excited to sort of share a a lot of really nice quotes and clips from the evening. Senator Sinclair is obviously a very dynamic speaker and had a lot to say, and it was a a pretty enthralling evening, uh, if I do say so. But what are your sort of general thoughts on, on hearing him speak? I really appreciated the opportunity to, uh, to hear his message and to hear his insights. Um, there's lot we'll talk a little bit more about it uh in in more detail yeah exactly it was a great evening but i think we should probably give a little bit more context for those listening who weren't in attendance uh if you want to hear the entire speech it is on the winnipeg foundation's facebook page if you go to facebook.com wpgfdn but we're going to be bringing you a little bit a few clips from the night just some highlights and some excellent little moments uh, from the evening but we always kick things off with a sh- with a song. So, Rob, what have you got to start things off for us today? Well, we'll start things off with the Denny Vaughn Orchestra and their song "Walk Hand in Hand with Me" right here on River City 360.
is able to express a situation so eloquently and engage with people on every level so easily that I think when Rick Frost said that you could hear a pin drop, that was quite perfect. Uh, emotional, like there's a lot about it that's difficult to absorb and sort of thinking about what my personal responsibility in all of this and so also just trying not to feel overwhelmed by that. He's brilliant on like a million different levels. I always appreciate how he centers the voices of survivors, how he honors survivors and that all of this work is for the residential school survivors so um, that resonates with me and it's something that I know that that's our burden to bear. This past Monday, the Winnipeg Foundation, in partnership with the Mamaway Sacred Seven Youth Council, hosted a vital conversation called Lighting the Way Forward, the Calls to Action in Action. The keynote speaker, Senator Murray Sinclair, was the first Indigenous judge appointed in Manitoba and served Manitoba's justice system for more than 25 years. He also served as the Chief Commissioner of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission and as co-chair of the Aboriginal Justice Inquiry in Manitoba. Senator Sinclair delivered a very poignant and insightful keynote on reconciliation in Canada and on the nation's journey. He noted that understanding the truth is the foundation of reconciliation, and it goes back to how residential schools were about indoctrinating, not educating. What the schools were all about were indoctrinating Indigenous children into being something that they were not born to be, and that is white kids. They were being indoctrinated into believing that they were like every other non-Indigenous kid in the country, that they had to follow the Bible, that they had to accept that their teachings came from that book, that everything that they had been told by their mothers, their fathers, their grandmothers, their grandfathers, every ceremony that they had ever seen, that everything that they had ever heard about their people was not only wrong, but it was the work of the devil. They were told that it was something that they needed to be ashamed of. When you look at the curriculum materials that were used in the residential schools going back to the turn of the last century, you don't see one positive reference to Indigenous people. And the worst part of it was that some of that worked its way into the public schools of this country. So that those who went to public schools, they were taught the same thing. They were taught that Indigenous people were inferior and could not be trusted, and that their culture was irrelevant. Beginning of the story of Canada, according to the public schools, began with the arrival of European settlers, European explorers. Never mind that Indigenous people had been here for thousands and thousands of years. Even now, archaeologists are still moving the date back and that their teachings go back that far. And those teachings were denied to those young children who went to the residential schools. And those teachings were also denied to the young Indigenous children who went to the public schools, but they were also denied to the non-Indigenous children who went to those public schools. And those non-Indigenous children were taught to believe that they had no history worth talking about. Whether that was taught directly or by inference, they never talked about that story. The indoctrination perpetuated by residential schools continued to affect attitudes in government and in society over the years and over generations. 
Senator Sinclair recalled discussions that he had in 2009 with parties to the settlement agreement to clarify what exactly they meant and what they wanted to accomplish by reconciliation. I have to say that the Indigenous leadership and the Indigenous survivors were kind of confused by the term. They didn't know if it meant trying to recreate a peaceful existence that never existed before, whether it meant forgiveness, whether it meant just moving on. But from the church side and the government side, it was very clear what they meant by conciliation, and that is reconciliation was for Indigenous people to do, not for us. Those representatives who came to that table from the government and church side believe that they had done what they should have done, which is create a pot of money, distribute the money, agree to pay compensation, make an apology, and off we go. You guys get on with your lives. Forget about the past now. Let's get going. It's for you to change. They thought, actually, that the residential school settlement agreement and reconciliation was about finishing the work that they had started through the residential schools. There was an element of that in the conversations and the dialogue. They couldn't quite grasp that maybe, just maybe, reconciliation meant that the perpetrators had to change. Senator Sinclair likened the use of law to oppress Indigenous peoples to a psychologically abusive relationship and the concept of gaslighting, where the victim is made to believe that it's all their fault and that the perpetrator is not only doing nothing wrong, but that they've tried to help. Reconciliation means addressing those things and more. Reconciliation is going to be harder than getting to the truth. It is founded upon a very simple concept And that is that I want to be your friend. And I want you to be mine. And I want you to treat me like you would treat a friend. I want you to talk to and about me in a good, respectful way like you talk about your best friends. I want you to think of me when you need help. I want you to think of me when I need help. I want you to reach out and help me as I will reach out and help you. Reconciliation will help us create a relationship like that. But in order for that to happen, we have to address this long history, this long history that has evolved over the years, because it has created a high degree of mistrust and a high degree of mistrust on both sides, because they don't trust us, they being non-Indigenous leaders, don't trust us to be able to handle our own affairs. And Indigenous people don't trust the government to do the right thing because they have often done the wrong thing. And that permeates our relationship with each other in the neighborhood level. It permeates us because we have not had an opportunity to have good dialogue in our neighborhoods. And that's the beginning That's where it really needs to start. Senator Sinclair cautioned that to continue to move forward, we can't wait for government to take action. Reconciliation starts with us, with all Canadians, and with ensuring that the conversation continues. Our conversation is going to help our young people. The young people hold the key to reconciliation, and the way we educate them is important. We have to educate them 
in the schools of this country so that we all know where we come from. The four big questions of life, I always remind people the things that we all grow up with needing to know. Where do I come from? Where am I going? Why am I here? And who am I? Individually, we need to answer those questions and figure out through our elders, our family, our friends, how we can find those answers. But collectively as well, we need to figure out who we are as a country. Where did we come from as a country? Where are we going as a country? What does Canada look like in 50 years from now, 100 years from now? What do we want it to look like? Think of that. Ask yourself that question. Do we want to be at war with each other, verbally, emotionally, in the way that we are now? Do we want this mistrust to continue? Because if we don't, then we have to do something about it. And we have to teach our children how to trust each other, how to understand each other better, so that as they're growing up, when they sit across the table from us in those different positions of leadership, that they will have a basic trust for each other. Indigenous leaders at the time of treaty had that trust. They trusted the government representatives when they said certain things. They didn't know that they couldn't trust them. They didn't know that they would not hold to their words. Dialogues are important, as Senator Sinclair reiterated, and Canadians need to continue the conversation on reconciliation with friends, family, people around them, and the politicians canvassing for their votes, because the conversation and education hasn't gone on for long enough. We have a lot of work to do just to keep reminding people about that history, because my concern was, still continues to be, that we will forget about that if we don't keep talking about that. And we cannot forget that history. It has to be part of our national memory. That's why the National Center for Truth and Reconciliation at the University of Manitoba is so important, because it archives all of those statements and stories from survivors. And it contains all of the research that we did at the TRC. So keeping that in our national memory is important. But we also now need to start to establish centers for reconciliation across this country so that we will dedicate ourselves to changing our relationship in the best way we can. And it begins by acknowledging our survivors who are here and encouraging them to step forward and speak their truth because they have the lessons that we can learn from. When we come back, we'll have more insights from Senator Murray Sinclair as members of the Sacred Seven Youth Council, the Youth Advisory Council for the Winnipeg Foundation's Walking Together grants, and the audience had the chance to ask questions in a fireside chat. You're listening to River City 360 on 93.7 CJNU.
Welcome back to River City 360, Robert and Nolan here with you today, and we're continuing our coverage of Monday's vital conversation called Lighting the Way Forward, the Calls to Action in Action with Senator Murray Sinclair. Following Senator Sinclair's keynote, co-hosts Ashley Richard and Tanjeet Nagra asked him questions sent in from members of the Sacred Seven Youth Council, the Youth Advisory Council for the Foundation's Walking Together grants, as well as the audience. The first question asked Senator Sinclair about his inspiration and ambition to achieve despite growing up in poverty and dealing with racism and discrimination. He spoke to being raised by his grandmother and his aunt, who was a teacher, and how they focused on encouraging a love of learning and reinforcing the importance of a good education. Coming out of that, I had this, this very significant sense that there, were, there was a world out there and that I could be part of it if I did the right things and got my education. And so I was completely devoted to education, not simply because I was reminded of the importance of getting an education, but because it taught me the love to learn. Those were the, probably the two elements that were the most significant in my life growing up, and that is the love of reading and the desire to help others to learn what I knew, but also what they themselves could find out for themselves. My ambition throughout everything that I've done in my careers that I've had over the years is still to continue to educate and help people to learn. That still drives me. And incidentally, nobody gets in the way of that. I run into racists all the time. My Twitter feed and my Facebook account is filled with thousands and thousands of hate messages, and I just ignore them. I block what I can. I just ignore them. I don't have time for them. I have time for people like you, and I give you all the time that I can. Another question asked about what the involvement and role of newcomers should be in the TRC calls to action. I've had newcomers ask me, what is it that we have to do? What, what, what's our role in this dialogue? And my role is that you may not have a responsibility for the past, but you do have a responsibility for the future because you made a commitment to this country. And the responsibility for the future is reconciliation. So that means that you still have to understand what this history is. You have to understand what it's done to this country. You have to understand what it's doing to this country. You have to understand what it will continue to do unless we change it. And the leadership from those newcomer communities that are occupying more and more leadership positions in government also need to figure out where they fit into that dialogue around change for the future because they do fit they are going to be influential leaders of this conversation. The next question asked where Canada stands regarding Indigenous people standing up for their human rights compared to other groups in other countries. Senator Sinclair emphasized the importance of the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People internationally, but noted that many nations that have signed on have taken little to no action since then. The first thing we tell people is read it. It's only 46 clauses long. It's not that long. The UN Declaration is simple, straightforward, and acknowledges what has gone on in most parts of the world when it comes to Indigenous people. But it's not being given the attention it deserves. And I would say that Canada is not much further ahead than anybody else at this point in time. They started from way behind because for years they refused to sign on, and other countries did. 
But the other countries who did sign on early still did nothing about the UN Declaration. And right now, Canada keeps trying to do something. But again, it goes back to this trust, mistrust thing where they only go so far. And so there's still a lot of room for Canada to do more. The question really is whether leadership in Canada is ready to do more or not. And my view is they're not there yet. They're still hung up and they're still held back by their own education about this country. An audience member asked whether Senator Sinclair would consider being Canada's next prime minister. Okay, you got to read. <laughs> That's an unfair question, okay? Um, no, only because I've given you everything that I've got, and in a couple of years I will not have much left. But I will mentor your next prime minister. And the final question of the evening asked what Senator Sinclair would imagine Canada would look like if the calls to action were fully implemented. First of all, we would be kinder to each other because our children would be educated better. Our our children would be educated to be able to talk to and about each other properly. We would be in a respectful relationship. We would recognize that we each have a unique element to this relationship and that uniqueness would be allowed to stand But we also have a joint commitment to going forward so that Canada's vision includes us. Canada's vision not only includes us as a Canadian, but includes us as Indigenous people so that we are part of the founding of this country and that as founders of this country, we also have a unique role to play with regard to the decisions about where this country goes. And... That was envisioned at the very beginning. That was the plan from the very beginning, from the Indigenous perspective, that we wanted to be part of where this country would go in the future, and that wasn't allowed to happen. We would have communities where our people would be properly cared for, our people would have better housing, would have better water supplies, would have better food supplies would be as willing and as able as they wanted to to be connected to the rest of the world. It would be living in a society in which all of our children were raised by the community, raised by the families in which they were born, whether the natural parents were able to do that or the extended family were the ones who were turned to like I was. The communities that we have would be healthy communities, would be self-governing communities, And we would be able to come to agreements between the communities in a very healthy, positive way. And we have to stop ruining the earth for purposes of greed. Thank you so much to Senator Murray Sinclair for joining us on Monday evening and sharing your wisdom and insights with us. After our next musical break, we'll speak with co-host Ashley Richard and hear her thoughts on Monday's Vital Conversation and Senator Sinclair's insights. You're listening to River City 360. I can't begin to tell you How much you mean to me My world would end If ever we 
can't begin to tell you how happy I would be if I could speak my mind like others do. I make such pretty speeches whenever we're But when you're near, the words I choose refuse to leave my heart. So take the sweetest phrases the world has ever known and make believe I've said them all to you.
That was 101 Strings with Dear Heart. You are listening to River City 360 on 93.7 CJNU. Nolan and Robert here with you today. And before the, before the musical break, you heard uh, Senator Sinclair and a few excerpts from his Q&A. The Q&A, of course, was hosted by two wonderful co-hosts, uh, Ashley Richard and Tanjeet Nagar, who was on the radio program last week. Uh, but I was actually able to speak with Ashley after the event was over just to get some thoughts on Senator Sinclair's words and some of his ideas. Give me some parting thoughts about how you think the night went and how uh, Senator Sinclair's uh, keynote went. I thought his keynote went amazingly. Even uh, Rick Frost pointed out that you could literally hear a pin drop while he was speaking. And I think he was given about 35 minutes to speak, but it felt like five had gone by by the end of it and it's that's such a gift to be able to speak for that long and have a room of 400 people listening to everything you're saying that's really an amazing gift was there any moments or comments or quotes that you're gonna take with you moving forward or any anything from the night uh i wish i could quote it verbatim but i think that when he was speaking about uh when newcomers are asking what their role in reconciliation is sometimes i get asked that as well and i'm not I'm not really sure how to answer, but I'm going to watch the Facebook live recording back because he had the perfect answer for that. Something about um, you're not responsible for the past, but you are responsible for the future. I think that's just a really a beautiful way of wording it, and it's just really true. He has such a great way of making uncomfortable, mom- potentially uncomfortable moments comfortable and easy to talk to and easy to, uh, to hear. Um, was there anything that you wish you could have asked him or are you happy with kind of everything that was said and everything that was touched upon? Uh, I wish we could have a fireside chat with Marie Sinclair for hours. That could be a whole day. And just to just to listen to, one, his stories. He's done so many amazing things with his life. Um, his personal stories, stories of his family, stories of his experiences firsthand. It would just be, it's fascinating to listen to him. I don't think he could talk forever. <laughs> um, so after tonight, what's, what's next for you and, and what are you hoping to do moving forward? Uh, I'm really excited about my role on the Walking Together grants. I'm excited to see what uh, Winnipeggers come up with in terms of planning events around reconciliation. I want to see I want to see newcomers getting involved in reconciliation events, Indigenous, non-Indigenous, everyone just coming together. And I'm I'm honored, and I know the rest of the committee is honored as well to play a small role in helping youth kind of bring these dreams to life. It's a good time to be optimistic. You know, there's lots of work to be done, but it's a good time to see some action, some calls to action in action, and to see some 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 real progress. Yeah, for sure. You could bog yourself down if you focus on the negatives, but I think just if you look at things day by day and you think about what can you change today, that's the way to really move forward. Thank you very much, Ashley, for talking to us, and uh, thanks for hosting, and thanks for everything you do. Thanks. That was Ashley Richard, co-host of Lighting the Way Forward, the Calls to Action in Action, featuring Senator Marie Sinclair. Thank you again to Ashley. Uh, thanks again to Tanjeet Negra and, of course, Senator Sinclair and everyone who attended the Vital Conversation earlier this week. It was a wonderful night, and uh, it wouldn't have been able to be such a great evening if not for everyone's input and uh, everyone's hard work. Uh, so, Rob, I guess before we move on from the Senator Sinclair evening, I wanted to kind of ask you, what was your, what are some takeaways or the biggest um, takeaway that you got from, from the evening? It's hard to narrow it down to one single biggest takeaway, but um, if I had to choose, 
I would say I really appreciated the way that he likened I really liked the way that he likened reconciliation, the foundation of reconciliation as a friendship. Mm. Um, And that if we were to enact all of the calls to action, we would have a a much kinder relationship with one another. We would have a kinder Canada. Beautiful. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, Mine... Throughout the night, Dr. Myra Laramie, who brought uh, the opening invocation, kind of talked about the importance of names and the importance of how how much of an honor your the the act of your parents giving you your name is and how much of a blessing it is. And then Ashley, actually, uh, one of our co-hosts, Ashley Richard, told a story about her grandmother explaining what her given name meant. And then, of course, Senator Sinclair picked that picked up on that and talked about the importance of names and his indigenous name and the stories that came from that. And I never really thought about, you know, a name as a gift or as an honor that your parents give you, but it was a really cool perspective and, and uh, it really kind of opened up my mind to, to that. And of course, the many other things that he talked about, it was, it was almost a two hour long event. And if this sounds like something you would like to see for yourself and listen to his words yourself, you can do that. It's been captured on Facebook. Uh, so if you visit facebook.com slash WPGFDN, you can watch the entire video. It's very worth your time. Uh, if you haven't heard Senator Murray Sinclair speak before, he's, just an amazing and inspiring man and uh, the entire evening was wonderful so highly recommend going to facebook.com slash WPGFDN for that coming up next on River City 360 we have our featured Winnipeg impact maker of the week Sonny Primolo brings us a local entrepreneur or business person who's not only providing Winnipeg with a service but also giving back to their community This week he spoke with Lauren McLean, owner of Heart and Haven, an interior design consulting firm here in Winnipeg. They've been supporting Snowflake Place for a while now, and we'll learn all about their dedication to community after our next musical break. Here is Mama Cass Elliot with New World Coming, right here on River City 360. i 
Welcome back to River City 360. I'm Sunny Pomolo. As you all know, Manitoba is home to some of the most giving people in the country. To share those stories, I'm going around the city to speak with impact makers in Winnipeg. And today I'm with Lauren McLean, owner of Heart and Haven. Thanks for coming on the show, Lauren. Thanks for having me. What is Heart and Haven? So Heart and Haven is an intuitive interior design consulting firm, um, party of one at the moment. And we go out into people's homes and into commercial spaces in order to capture the feeling of coziness and the feeling of hominess. And so the, the design of your home reflects that feeling of being right at home. So what makes Heart and Haven different from organizations like yours? So Heart and Haven is different because I'm not a certified interior designer. I learned this by doing, and it's just something that I feel just exists within me. And so it's something that I just started doing naturally. Heart and Haven's a little bit different as well because I have some energetic gifts. And so I'm also reading the energy of the home and the space and the people and everything that are in it. And so the design isn't just about the analytical structure of this piece matches this piece and so on. It's more about what fits the actual person and the space and what's going to grow that family and that environment over the long run, as opposed to how do we make this fit into a trend? You've decided to partner with Snowflake Place. Um, How did this partnership come to be? I met Chantelle Acoste, who now works with Snowflake Place through some training separately. Um, We're in a couple of different groups together. And I heard her speak about the work Snowflake Place does and her story and how she became so passionate about Snowflake Place. And as soon as I heard that story, it was like, okay, well, obviously I'm going to be involved with this organization. And I sat on it for a few weeks and I just had this thought of like, I have to call Chantelle. I have to call Chantelle. Like, Something has to come of this. And one day I just texted her and I'm like, we got to talk. So can you tell us maybe a little bit of that story and what Snowflake Place is for those that don't know? Yeah, so Snowflake Place is Manitoba's only child advocacy center. They specialize in providing a child-friendly space for children who are, have reported abuse to go through the investigation process while that investigation is going on. Um, it can be a really overwhelming and kind of secondary trauma-inducing for kids to be in an institution and to be talking to people in uniform and that. And so Snowflake Place is a separate space with specialized rooms and trained people who are trained in interviewing children so that that can be as pleasant an experience as it possibly can. Let's talk a little bit about your partnership in terms of your motivation. What was it about Snowflake Place and what they do that makes you so motivated? Is there something that you really connected with? Yeah, absolutely. So when you really drill down into the heart of it, with my business at Heart and Haven, I really believe that children need space to be fully their authentic selves and that children learn to do that when their parents feel free to be their authentic selves. And so with good design and with good spaces and when your environment gives you that literal space and that freedom to dance like crazy and to say what's on your mind and to be your full authentic self, then that passes on to children. And I think that's the biggest gift we can give them. And when you see a child that's been through abuse, that is just completely shut down and it's so hard to come back from and so I think they really dovetail together because Snowflake Place is working so hard to start the process of healing for those children and to allow them to come back to that place. Yeah they're the only children's advocacy organization in Manitoba so some numbers from them actually 93% of alleged perpetrators are known to their child victims 69% of sexual abuse cases involve girls and 31% involve boys 60% of physical abuse involves boys and 40% involve girls 69% of physical abuse cases are a result of inappropriate discipline. 
What do you hope your support will achieve in the long run, knowing a lot of these numbers? I really hope that my support enables Snowflake Place to grow. Um, Christy and Chantel and the whole team at Snowflake Place really have big visions for their space that I'm super excited about. And I just want to be there to make them, to allow them to happen, to give them that space for it. I know with some donations and some charities that it's hard to find that operating fund. Like you can get capital all day long, but the operating fund can sometimes be hard. And so when I, we were talking about the partnership, I wanted to make sure that they can use it for whatever they need because sometimes like the hydro bill still needs to be paid and your salary still need to be paid and that kind of thing on like on top of everything. So I really want to give them the space to be able to be the best they can be. A little bit more about your partnership. What is it that you're doing with Snowflake Place? So Heart and Haven has committed to giving 5% of gross revenues to Snowflake Place in 2019. Awesome. How can other organizations like yours also make a difference like this? Um, Really, it comes down to as simple as planning your business to be involved in the community. I think that business is a vehicle for good in the world and setting up your business from day one, like my business is very small at the moment and have plans for big growth, but I'm setting it up from day one in order to have this type of involvement, which is why I chose to donate a percentage of revenues um, so that as it grows, Snowflake Place can grow and that can happen together. Um, And it really... I have had, I've told a few people this already and they already think I'm crazy that I'm doing gross revenues and not net. Um, but to me, it just adds extra incentive to my own business. It makes me more excited. It's an extra 5% I get to sell. It's an extra 5% on my sales target for each month, for the year, that kind of thing. And that's exciting. In a world where like, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm in this business by myself, people can often talk about how entrepreneurship can be a lonely game. But now I feel like I have a team that's relying on me that I am providing for and I'm not in this by myself anymore. Like Snowflake Place is depending on me and my business to do well. And I think that any business can start, finish, middle, become that way. Um, And it all comes down to the structure and how you structure your business and your revenues. That's amazing. I really love how the community really comes together in times of need. What is next for Heart and Haven? Uh, Is there anything coming around the corner for you? Yeah, um, I'm actually just launching my website this month. um, And with that, I have some of my signature services, which is redecorating homes and that kind of thing. And I'm launching more distance um, services, doing readings and doing design services over Zoom and over Skype. So I'm excited about that. Speaking of that website, what would your website address be? It's heartandhaven.co. Is there any other ways that people can reach you? Yeah, um, I'm on Instagram. So Instagram is heart.and.haven as my handle. And you can come and check me out there. I share um, spaces that I've designed and as my inspiration and my thought process behind how I design things. Excellent. So thanks to Lauren McLean for sharing her story of giving. If you or anyone you know is making an impact in our city, reach out and call 204-944-9474, extension 360. Again, that's 204-944-9474, extension 360. We'd love to hear about it. This is Sunny Promolo for River City 360. Thanks, honey. We've got time for some more music before we say goodbye today. So here's Keb Mo with There's a Better Way. You're listening to River City 360 on 93.7 CJNU. They say life is just a state of mind. And that you create your own reality within your mind. Therefore, you are in control. And everything is going to be all right. There is a better way.
could never be a portrait of my love for nobody could paint a dream you never see a portrait of my love for miracles I'll never see anyone who sees her Forgets the Mona Lisa It would take, I know A Michelangelo And he would need The glow of dawn That paints the sky above To try a portrait of my love It would take, I know A Michelangelo And he would need The glow of dawn That paints the sky above To try and paint A portrait of my That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And a huge thank you to all of our guests and everyone that was in attendance at the Lighting the Way Forward, the Calls to Action in Action event. If you'd like to hear more River City 360, listen to any of our past episodes, or subscribe to the podcast, you can do so at rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. It's a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM. And we'd love to hear your feedback about the show as well. If you'd like to request a song, suggest a topic for a future show, or just say hello. Let us know how we're doing. Give us a call at 204-944-9474, extension 360. Again, the number to call is 204-944-9474, extension 360. If you'd like to message us on Twitter or Facebook, you can do so as well by searching at WPGFDN on Twitter and searching for the Winnipeg Foundation on Facebook as well. I'm Nolan Bicknell signing off for River City 360. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a great day and a great weekend. Mm-hmm.